Good morning. I'll start with a little prophetic action here. Get ready. I mean, yo, I'm just like sense the power of the Holy Spirit in this room this morning. It's overwhelming to me. It makes me tremble in, before the Lord. And um, it's a great privilege for me to stand here. For those who don't know me, my name is Martin Janssen. Um, been a part of this church as long as I've been part of the kingdom, which is almost 13 years now. I'm here with my wife, Joanne, and my daughter, Ava, and my son, Eden. And um, <clears throat> I'm just evidence of something, that God can take an evil, broken, messed up person out of the evil world and completely transform their life. And keep them in the evil world, but the life is changed. It doesn't go back to the way it was before. This is the testimony of my life. Everywhere I go, it's the same testimony that I share. And I believe this testimony doesn't come just with word, it comes with power. Because it's evidence of the gospel, amen? So, let me start like this. Like, I feel so privileged for this life the Lord has given me. Like, to me, meetings and gatherings and uh, the book and all of these things are a natural part of my life because I'm, I'm living out of the overflow of something much greater than meetings and studying a book and doing and changing and disciplines and routines and things like that, and um, my life has been completely transformed, and it's almost 13 years, and still I get moments of awe and wonder. You know, we were driving, it's like a five-minute drive from my house to get here, um, and I've been singing this and listening to a song the whole week, and it's just a simple little chorus of, you saved me, you saved me. And now I'll never leave your love. It's just a a response of somebody experiencing God's salvation and just that overflow of commitment and devotion. And as we were driving, um, I was playing this song and I could hear my daughter worshipping in the back saying, you saved me, you saved me, never going to leave your love. You know, and then I get here and I, I give my scriptures there at the counter and um, James asked me if I'm preaching this morning. So I said, yes. So he said to me, you better speak the truth. <laughs> Man, you know how much I appreciate that because that's what we live for. That's what we want. That's what we desire is the truth. Amen. And that somebody will, in a joking way, but that keeps us to account. And another thing is seeing Royden up and down with the boxes serving here. It's just like God's like showing me little highlights. And the other thing is Jeremy visiting again or coming back after visiting last Sunday. <clears throat> it's just evidence for me of God in this place. Amen. 
Do you see it? Do you feel it? I feel something in this place this morning telling you. Who of you have ever heard of John the Baptist? (laughs) It's a real question. It's not the people on Facebook criticizing churches who think they are John the Baptist in our day. It was another man. I want to start this morning on this day of Pentecost, and I want to just look at John. And the title of my message is Burning Up Inside. I'm going to start here in Matthew 3, verse 1 to 12. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath which is to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. His sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." Yo, there's so much in that little chapter there. And I want to say that this isn't a heavy, a heavy thing. This is the most amazing thing that any person can ever experience on the earth. And John was a voice. He was a wild man. He was a crazy man. <laughs> I don't think he had many friends. And he was crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight, repent and be baptized. Many people look at John the Baptist and they think they are John the Baptist or the same as John the Baptist because they say some hard things or edgy things or they think they have a certain manner or they view themselves as powerful on Facebook or whatever. But... When we see those people, do we see the same spiritual effect? Are people coming to them from all over, repenting of their sins, deciding to change their ways and to live for God? I don't see much of that. I just see criticism. And John was a solitary voice. He was a prophet that the Lord raised up at one of the most significant times on the earth. But he was standing at the end of something and at the beginning of something. So I want to say this. John the Baptist is not our pattern. He's not our example. 
but we can learn a lot from him because Jesus said about him, no man born from woman is as great as he. But in the kingdom, even a child is greater than John the Baptist. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't educated. He wasn't refined. He was a strange guy. Rough in his way and rough in appearance. He wasn't the first choice when it came to leadership potential. Yet there he was in the wilderness after 400 years of silence where the word of the Lord was scarce or missing. No one knew what God was saying or what God was doing. So when he started making noise, he got people's attention. And everybody went to see what's going on there. Matthew 11 verse 7, it says, As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning him, talking about John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go and see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. He was a simple man, a plain man, and he was in the wilderness for all to see. He had nothing to his name, fasting and praying, eating the locusts and honey. He was a burning bush in a time of darkness, a man standing up against sin, against man-made traditions, against dead religion. He was a man burning up inside. Amen? Isn't that true? You really think John the Baptist woke up one day and thought, well, I'm going to go live in the wilderness and eat locusts and honey, and I'm going to speak against the sin of the king and the religious elite and the church structure? Uh, do you think that's like a good idea to think up by yourself? I mean, they cut his head off eventually <laughs> to silence him. And for me, his life is evidence of something. It's evidence of God taking hold of a man, putting a fire inside of him, a fire that burns. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't stop burning. It doesn't get quenched. It can't be put out. Fire that drives him to do and say and be something totally Opposite to his nature. I don't think John chose that for himself. <laughs> you know, it started with a prophetic word to his father. You know, imagine Rian's coming to church today to serve, and suddenly Gabriel is here <laughs> speaking to him. And that's what happened to um, his dad. Drowning in my notes again. His father was serving as a priest before God, and while they were on duty, according to their custom, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple to burn incense, part of the worship team. And a whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So the prayer meeting was going on over there. 
And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah." To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So God spoke over his life even before he was born. Saying that the Holy Spirit will be inside of him. Because of that, his life is not his own. There was conditions, there was restrictions. Do not use alcohol. And there's work for him. So I believe in my heart that whether John liked it or whether he didn't like it, there was a fire burning in him that compelled him into the purposes of God for his life. And he was, like I said, the last solitary prophet. Those days are over. God chose to work in a new way. And we are living in something even greater than John was living back then. But do we believe this? Do we understand that? Do we, can we see it? He was a signpost, a light burning in the night, showing that something greater is coming. A new way, a greater way. Beyond your human strength, beyond human tradition, beyond religion, beyond trying harder to have a better life, to change, to be different, to do the course, (laughs) to do self-improvement. He said there's one coming that is greater, a baptizer. And the baptism that he brings, brings a fire upon your life that will change everything. You know, <clears throat> you know what a silversmith does to purify the silver? He puts it in the fire, right? I think we've all heard that little story about how he does it until he can see the reflection of his face. Well, God is like a silversmith but different because he doesn't put you in the fire. He puts the fire inside of you. I'm such evidence of this. Even when I'm tired and weak and weary and I don't want that fire burns. And what can you say but yes, Lord, yes, Lord. (laughs) Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized. The Bible says and you will be saved. You'll receive eternal life. You'll become part of a family. You'll be part of the temple of the living God on the earth. Become like a living stone. It has a place. It has a purpose. It has worth. 
You'll be healed. You'll be set free. Be transformed in the spirit of your mind. Every chain that was on your life can be broken. Can receive a new heart. With new passions. And new desires. And you can receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Power. And we, we quote Acts 1 verse 8 like you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But how much do we press in till we actually have that power? Or are we content to live in the scripture like oh, I have the verse on my fridge, you know, have the power. But my life looks the same. My struggles look the same. My sins look the same. My marriage looks the same. My family looks the same. It all looks the same. But we say we have the power. I can never be satisfied with saying I have something without seeing the evidence of that with my own eyes in my own life. So for me, when I saw Acts 1 verse 8, like I'd go to Jesus, Lord, your word says that we will have power. Where's your power? Where is it? Lord, where's the evidence that what we say we believe is true? The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. Those who ask will receive. Those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. What I believe the Lord wants us to believe for today is that His power and the power of His Holy Spirit is really in this place. So that any person that has come here this morning, it doesn't matter who you are, where you have been, what your spiritual life has looked like, but you can come into this place one way and leave a different way. Amen. Two weeks ago, I went to Richards Bay. I had the privilege to be part of that outreach, and it was one of the most incredible things that I've ever seen in my life. Um, Mike DeFay taught from 1 Corinthians 12 just about the spiritual gifts, just plain, balanced, like even monotone, like these are the gifts, various types of gifts, various types of power by the Holy Spirit, and then God's power fell in the meeting. <clears throat> people got up, came forward in response for prayer. Some people just fell down before they even got to the front. They didn't do anything. They didn't even pray. Started with a dumb little word of knowledge, red ears. Yes, anybody got red ears here? <clears throat> First lady comes, deliverance immediately, and then gets healed. And like, she's, I have asthma. I couldn't breathe for six months. Suddenly I can breathe. Like the testimony is like five minutes after the prayer. And God pours out his spirit over the whole weekend. Every single session, every single meeting. I used to, I'd sit on the stage like an hour and a half after the service was over and people are still praying for each other and carrying on and drinking coffee and fellowshipping and like evidence of God's presence. I mean, we have to see evidence. The world is sick and tired of hearing people 
identify as Christians. The world is lost and broken and hopeless and in turmoil and in confusion and in suffering and in pain. What they need to see is the manifestation of God's children on the earth. They need to encounter a person that actually has some substance in them, has some fire in them, has some love in them, has some freedom, has some joy. Otherwise, we have only words. Oh, God bless you. Go well, you know, in your pain and in your depression and in your struggle, in your fear and in your anxiety. But what I, what I trust for is that people here will go and say to the person, you know what, God is real. You know, you can trust in Him. And by putting your hand on that person, that depression can go. That fear can leave. Sickness can be healed. And God can work wonders, not because of who we are, but confirming that what he has said about himself is the truth. Do we need fire for that? We need something real. If we don't have anything real, then we don't have a chance of reaching the world. There has never been a fire since the day of creation until today that hasn't shown evidence of itself. You can't have a fire without evidence. You'll see evidence. You can't have a secret fire. If there's a fire, you see it. You know it's there. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. Rihanna has been speaking about the signs of health this year and we can relate them to our community and we can relate them to our congregation. But, you know, what about our own personal spiritual life? Is that fire inside of us? Do we have power? Do we have substance? When people come in contact with us, what do they see? What do they experience? Do they get that aroma of incense, of a life soaked in worship? Do we change? Do we grow? Do we learn? Do we go forward? Do we find victory over our areas of sin and weakness? Do we actually go out? And witness about our faith to other people. Do we reach out to our co-workers, to our families, to our neighbors, parents in the schools, or whatever it may be in the area of influence that the Lord gives us? Fire cleanses, it removes impurities, it transforms, it changes the appearance and the nature of things, it gives light releases energy, generates heat. It's a powerful thing and it gets our attention. That's why they have whole brigades with big fancy red trucks that rush every time a fire is seen. 
I want to say that there's a fire for us. Man, and I'm hungry for that fire. Every morning when I wake up, I go sit before the Lord and I say, Lord, I want your spirit. I want your spirit on me. I want your spirit upon my life, upon my family, upon my wife, on my children. Lord, I want your spirit in the church, on your sons and daughters, on the young and the old, even on the deacons and the community leaders, especially on them. (laughs) Amen. And there's a little scripture in Hebrews 1. This is actually from one of the Psalms. And so there's interpretation. So it says that of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And in the Psalms, it says he makes his winds the messengers and his ministers the flames of fire. So the, the thoughts are, one, it's pointing to God in nature with wind and lightning and uh, the other interpretation is angels and um, spiritual beings. But every time I read this, something in my heart goes, but Lord, your saints are your ministers on the earth as well. Why don't you make us flames of fire? And that always burns in my heart, and it's something that I live for. And it reminds me of the words of Jesus, Matthew 5. It says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your fathers in heaven, to your Father And I'm going to finish with this, with the words of Paul. Maybe somebody from the worship team can come up, come up so long. He's speaking to a young leader. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It's not just an automatic thing. We have to respond. We have to be part. We have to fan ourselves into flame as well. God doesn't call robots. He gave us free will. He gave us a part to play. Fan into flame. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever you have to. To fan it into flame. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of his prisoners, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life, immortality to light through the gospel, for which we are preachers and teachers, and that is why we suffer. 
We are not ashamed, for we know in whom we have believed. And we are convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to us. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then by the Holy Spirit, guard this deposit that is placed within you. We need to be active. We need to fan. We need to work. We need to guard. We need to cherish. We need to protect. Not take it for granted. Not take it lightly. We have received the most precious gift that there is to receive. A baptism that only Jesus Christ can give. Amen. Maybe we can stand. I felt two words of knowledge this morning um, that I want to receive a release. I always feel so foolish because it goes against my natural mind. So the first thing that I saw was a, a lady in a red dress with white spots. I guess I call it the polka dot. You used to dance before the Lord, but your dancing has stopped. Concerns about finances have tied you in knots. The second one, I felt that there is a visitor here who was abandoned by a parent, possibly by a mother. And God says that he will never abandon you. Maybe if, if one of those words is for you, you can just speak to somebody to pray with you. Amen. The Bible says you have to believe and be baptized to come into the kingdom. If you are in the kingdom, you can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you are not in the kingdom, this, you cannot receive the promise. Repent. And believe. So I want to give an opportunity this morning for somebody who is not in the kingdom. If you are not in the kingdom, if what I've been speaking about and if it's strange to you and you, you, you maybe don't understand, but you re recognize that I'm speaking about something more than just going to a church and just reading a book. But I'm talking about a relationship with God that brings an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes everything. And this is what you want. This is what you want today is to make that choice, to make a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord, to become part of His family, be part of His kingdom, to be part of what He's doing on the earth, to repent of your sin and to believe to be saved and to make Jesus your Lord, I want to ask that you put up your hand right now. With every eye closed. Is there anybody like that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I ask you guys to just come to the front and some of the elders to just pray with you. 
We praise you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you for what you are doing. We praise you. Honor you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Just come to the front. The Bible says that you will be saved. You'll be set free. You'll be brought from death into life. From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Father, I pray right now for your Holy Spirit's power to come into these lives. Break the chains of sin and darkness and hell in the name of Jesus Christ. And translate them into the kingdom of your beloved Son.